Seminary. And St. John's? It became a white elephant. Why was Sacred Heart kept operational with expanded courses, while St. John's was shut down? The obvious response was the neighborhood. Once, early on, Sacred Heart had stood almost alone on the then outskirts of the city of Detroit. Along the way, the wilderness was replaced by a Jewish community. Its synagogue grew up kitty-corner from the seminary. Eventually, African Americans replaced the Jewish inhabitants. By 1988, the consensus was that there would be no buyers for all those antiquated buildings. St. John's, on the other hand, had practically no neighborhood at all. St. John's went on the block. Sacred Heart circled its wagons ever more closely. So, back to his guide's question. Did Father Kester recognize the old place? Yes and no, he hedged. It was an unexpected reply. It hasn't changed that much, she said, has it? The shell is here, he said slowly. The buildings, the rooms. He looked about. But it's so much more beautiful, and larger as well. Are you really that surprised? I mean, I know you haven't been back here since it became St. John's Center, but you must have seen pictures. Oh, yes, yes, I have. But the pictures don't do justice to the in-person reality. Is there anything else you'd like to see? We've been pretty much through the whole place. But if you want another look, no, no, thank you. You've been very gracious. He hesitated. I think I'll just wander around a bit. His smile was flitting. I don't think I'll get lost. The buildings, at least most of them, are the same. Only the names have been changed. The library reading room still stands, though in my day it was the chapel, and so on. He finished somewhat lamely. Her smile was meant to be encouraging. Just keep in mind Father St. John's is no longer a seminary. Though it is still owned by the Archdiocese of Detroit, it has absolutely nothing to do with educating priests. Now we hold weddings here, even cater the receptions. We provide counseling for troubled parents and children. We have facilities for handling meetings of almost any kind or size, as well as overnight accommodations. And there are recreational facilities. There's basketball and handball, and, of course, there's golf. Kester nodded, then grinned, recalling countless hours spent by him and his seminary classmates in clearing the fairways of stones. Up from what it was, nine holes and lots of space in our day. I haven't been back since the course was modernized and expanded to eighteen holes. Now, she said, it's a pleasuresome twenty-seven. But the buildings, at least the ones that were here when we were students, they hold memories that will never fade from my life. Half lost in recollection, he looked about, then turned back to her. Again, thanks for the tour. She nodded, turned to leave, then did an about-face. One thing you ought to be clear on, Father. You are scheduled to meet with your guests at six o'clock in the cafeteria. You do know how to get there. Uh-huh. Another building that wasn't here in the beginning. But you showed it to me in our tour, and I remember. It's at the end of the tunnel beneath St. Edward's Hall and just inside the powerhouse reception area. Don't worry, if any of us get lost, we'll yell for help. 
Her eyes crinkled in amusement. Okay. Though it was early for the meeting, Kester was used to being first on every scene. This exceeding promptness had its inception in boyhood, when his mother had shooed him out of the house well before the gathering time for him and his buddies. The habit had taken root. Nor could he rest on his laurels. Even now, as an elderly man, he grew anxious whenever a deadline or an appointment was imminent. So, with time on his hands and feeling quite at home in these once familiar surroundings, he decided to let the memories flood in at their own good pleasure. He was standing in what had been the prayer hall, directly beneath the ornate chapel that hadn't even existed during the four years he'd been a student here. As he told his guide, what in those days had been the chapel was now the library reading room. What had been the prayer hall was now just a large, nondescript, rectangular space. Years ago it had been filled with bench seats, with snap-up tabletops and kneelers that could be lowered to the floor for prayer. With the tabletops raised and the kneelers down, it was no place for a claustrophobic. Sometimes the room had been used for classes. At other times the prayer hall had actually been used for prayer, as in morning, noon, and night. Morning prayer was the diciest. That prayer was followed immediately by silent meditation, during which many of the group, those not yet fully awake, fell blissfully asleep. On one occasion a young man was concluding his reading of morning prayer in preparation for somnolent meditation, when he inadvertently turned too many pages. Unmindful of the fact that he was on the last page of evening prayer, Instead of on the final page of morning prayer, he read aloud, Let us offer up the sleep we are about to take in union with that which Jesus himself took while on earth. Even the priest in charge had laughed. Laughter in prayer hall was not unique or even rare. There was, for instance, the pre-luncheon examination of conscience. The composure of a couple of hundred students in cassock and clerical color was sorely tested one day when a mouse came through the doorway, eyeballed the reflecting group, then dove under a nearby lowered kneeler. There followed a good deal of fidgeting, shifting, and outright jumping, as some of the more mischievous boys ran a finger up a neighbor's leg. Their victims were forced either to exercise extreme self-control, or hop up on their seat, pulling their floor-length cassock up around their knees. All the while, on the podium, the presiding priest who hadn't seen the mouse, wondered what in hell was going on. Fortunately, the examination period ended shortly thereafter, and the students, still wary, made their way to the dining room. Sad to say, a few who were fresh from the farm stayed behind to dispatch the mouse, who, with the kneelers now raised, had forfeited any hiding place. Two floors directly above where Kester now stood were meeting rooms, which, in his day, had been classrooms. As was true of most of the original buildings, the classrooms were bright and airy, with plenty of window space. Sulpicians had made up the faculty. The Sulpicians were diocesan, or parish, priests, on loan from their home diocese, and totally dedicated to training young men to become diocesan priests. Thus they were held in high regard by their students. In addition, the courses at St. John's were at the heart of relevance 
for the seminarian's future ministry. Core subjects were dogmatic and moral theology, scripture, canon law, liturgy, and homiletics, the meat and potatoes of the lives these students longed to live. So intense were some courses that gobs of dogma as well as blocks of canon law had to be skipped over in favor of more relevant and immediate material. So dedicated a student had the maturing Robert Kessler become that, almost alone and on his own, he studied such otherwise neglected matter. How things had changed over the years! His alma mater had been transformed from a single-minded seminary to a sort of Catholic resort. In Kessler's day, most courses had been taught entirely in Latin. Questions, answers, texts, exams, all in Latin. Now Latin was an elective with few takers. Even though the largest by far of the branches of Catholicism is the Latin rite, whose primary language remains Latin. Kessler was engaging in one of his favorite pastimes, remembering the past. Sailing along on this sea of memories, he thought it ironic that he could think of nothing negative, nothing of the sort of recollection that causes one to wince involuntarily. Actually, of course, there had been some less than enjoyable events, but they had softened with the passage of time. Even though these students of yore were, by and large, dedicated, they were also young, sometimes bored, and frequently funny. Kester continued to slowly make his way toward the meeting place. He paused as he reached what had been